This video is the second of a five video series. Remember I had said there's only a few things on the online clinic I didn't shoot myself. This is one of the few series I didn't shoot. This was shot by Daniel McDonald, who's now the head coach at Our Lady of Providence High School in Clarksville, Indiana, which is just outside Louisville, Kentucky. But uh, he went over to Frederick Douglass, top-notch program run by Nate McPeak. And this one of the quarterback coach, Jimmy Skinner, who's a former Division I college, uh, college quarterback himself. I believe he played at Marshall. Um, talks timing and rhythm in QB play. If you want to see this or anything else we've created, check us out at clinic.chiefpigskin.com. Coach Jimmy Skinner, I coach uh, Frederick Douglass High School, I coach quarterbacks. Um, Frederick Douglass is located up in Lexington, Kentucky. I uh, appreciate the opportunity for Chief Pigskin giving me the opportunity to come up here and speak a little bit this evening. Um, here's my contact information and I'll, I'll post this again at the end. Um, typically the best way to get a hold of me is through email, I'm pretty active on Twitter. It's kind of made where I've made most of my contacts to a lot of coaches over the years through Twitter, so that's a good opportunity to uh, reach out to me as well. A little bit about me. Um, was fortunate enough to um, get a scholarship to play at, university, at, at Marshall University. I uh, played from 2002 to 2006, and uh, played under uh, Coach Bobby Pruitt. And then uh, Coach Mark Snyder, my last couple of years at Marshall. Um, I was a two-year starter in my junior and senior year. Uh, I've always a, was always a pro-style quarterback. That was way back before the days of the dual-threat quarterback. So I was, I was in the pocket. I was a three and five-step quarterback, um, three and five-step drop constantly. Uh, played from both under center and as well as in a shotgun. Um, way back before the RPO days. So back then it was all about ID and. ID and uh, linebackers and, and uh, ID and coverage pre-snap, which a lot of that is how I teach my quarterbacks today, and I'll get into a little bit of that more as we get going. Um, I was mentored by um, a really good quarterback coach uh, by the name of Larry Keck, and he's coached all over the, all over the country, various levels, uh, spent a lot of time at the Division I level, and he spent a lot of time um, at, uh, at the high school level as well. So I have a lot of respect for what I've learned from him over the years. Um, and my, I've always told people, Coach Keck knows more in his pinky finger than I'll ever know about the entire game of football. The man um, is, is a genius and has developed a lot of really good quarterbacks during his tenure. Um, just some guys that he's coached under his tenure was, was Byron Leftwich, as you all know, is a great coordinator in the NFL. Um, and without a doubt, will be an NFL head coach um, sooner than later. The, I was fortunate enough to play with Byron uh, for one season, and a lot of what Coach Keck taught Byron, Byron sent down to me. So having those two in the same quarterback room really taught me a lot. And, I, and the way I coach today is, is mainly from what I learned from Coach Keck and Byron as well um, in the film room. Um, Coach Keck also, before Byron, coached Chad Payton, as he, as you all know, is a, is a really successful former NFL quarterback and current high school coach as well here in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, and then another quarterback before Chad uh, was Eric Kresser, who spent a year at Marshall. I think he transferred in from Florida, if I, if I can remember right. I can't remember off the top of my head. But 
he came in with Coach Pruitt back in the mid-90s, and Coach Keck uh, did a phenomenal job of preparing him for the NFL and had a short tenure in the NFL as well. And last I checked on Eric, he was a, quarter, a quarterback coach or a head coach down in Florida somewhere, I believe. Um, but yes, Coach Keck has done a really good job with the quarterbacks in the past, and I was fortunate enough to learn um, so much from him, and I give a lot of, uh, a lot, a lot of props to him. A little bit about my coaching background. Um, this will be my 15th season coming up. Um, I've, I've coached at three different, three different, uh, three different high schools. It's my first year here at Frederick Douglass High School, so it'll be my second season coming up. Um, I've been offense coordinator in the past as well as the quarterback coach. Um, I've coached quarterbacks every year I've ever coached, whether I was coordinating, whether I was coordinating or not. I've always coached quarterbacks. Um, been fortunate enough to send some kids to college and be able to, you know, kind of mentor them and coach them and prepare them for the college level. Um, a couple of them have gone Division One, but just all in all, the kids I've sent to to play at various levels of college, they've all been just phenomenal kids and and uh, quick learners and coachable and and those those type of aspects is what has kind of helped me to to understand their, their strengths and weaknesses because they were always very doing a really good job communicating to me of what they were or were not comfortable with. And that's something I talk with my other guys. I talk with, with, with coaches all over the place. They asked me, said, what do you need to do? I said, well, you need to be able to communicate with them first and you need to be able to listen to them and they need, they need to be able to learn from you along the way. So if, if you can't communicate with them and they can't communicate back to you, your development becomes extremely slow. So to increase that development with your quarterbacks, listen to what they're telling you and as well as make sure that they're coachable to what you're telling them. It goes both ways. Um, and then just along the way, I've been fortunate to have quarterbacks earn a lot of all district, regional, and state awards along the way. So very proud of them for that. Here's a quote that I picked up from Ron Jaworski a while back. It says, the heartbeat of a team is the quarterback position. And I think everyone who has any intelligence about the game understands you have to have consistent consistency at that position to be a championship team. And I believe it's 100% true. Like if you look at, you think back at all levels, high school, college, NFL, all levels of, of, of football, um, teams that win championships always have a great quarterback. It doesn't have to statistically be great, but you got to be the, for one, number one, the biggest leader on the field. And that offense runs through you as a quarterback. So I really can't think of a team I've ever seen win a championship that did not have a great quarterback at the helm. So that's something that's always resonated with me, and I've always remembered this quote. In talking about what we want, what I want to get into today, timing and a rhythm at the quarterback position. Um, the quarterback position, as you talk with a lot of guys I've coached in the past, a lot of kids, they say that these drills are getting monotonous. They're getting uh, very routine. Like it's almost like they kind of get bored with them, and that's where you have to push through that because the quarterback position is very routine. It's very monotonous, yes, but it's very routine. You have to find that rhythm, and you have to find that timing. Um, I've talked to a lot of guys at clinics, and they do a really good job of uh, talking about coverages and, and quarterback drills and progressions, and that's what you tend to see a lot of clinics. Um, I think something that's really overlooked at the quarterback position is the timing of by the time the ball snaps to the time the ball comes out. And in order to get that timing down to a really solid routine, you have to practice over in the same drills every single day. I know it gets monotonous, but you have to, you have to continually do that. 
It develops timing with your footwork, it develops timing with your rhythm, and it develops timing with the receivers. So this is a, a Bruce Lee uh, quote I took a long time ago, is I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. So um, this is something that I've come across a long time ago, and I just always felt like this is something I need my quarterbacks to see, and I show this to my quarterbacks every season. And then as we start getting through the season, I'll pull it up again just to remind them just how important it is to develop that timing. It takes patience, and it takes a lot of repetitious reps. Okay, so just a little bit of my, my philosophy when it comes to the timing of the quarterback. Uh, quarterbacks must develop balance in their drop. And, and what, I'm, what I'm referring to is, is what we call the trigger position. So what I'm going to talk about today is the three-step drop within the – we're a, we're a shotgun team, so mainly everything that I'm talking about today is from the shotgun. But the, the three-step drop out of the gun and how we can develop uh, balance in our drop to where we release the ball on time, but as well as accurately. So what I, what I look for in my quarterbacks is can we do a three-step drop and get into what I call the trigger position? The trigger position is the position that you are in as a quarterback, and I'll kind of show it from this angle here the position that you are in as a quarterback before you start to go into your throwing motion. And it really really comes down to your feet. And for a lot of guys, you know, I was fortunate enough, my quarterback this past year, he was six foot seven, so his trigger position was a lot wider than what mine is. And then for a lot of kids, you know, their, their base will be a little bit narrower. But for the most part, your trigger position is feet just outside of hips, okay? And your trigger position is your shoulders, your hips, and your feet, as well as your eyes, are all in your target. It makes no sense to be facing this way, but throwing over here, okay? You're not only taking away um, accuracy, but you're just, your inefficiency, or your, your efficiency is gonna go way down. Um, all drawback passes should be gone in two and a half seconds, and I cannot emphasize that enough. I'm not talking about play action passes. I'm not talking about quick game. Um, I'm not talking about naked boots. I'm talking about just strictly drop back passes. Um, when I meet with, or when I met with my quarterbacks when I first got here, that was the one within the first few points I made with them. We started talking X's and O's. Is we have to get ourselves in the trigger position and get that ball out before 2.5 seconds. And I'm going to give plenty of examples here in a little bit of what you'll see when a quarterback is in rhythm and on time, and when he is not in rhythm and on time. Um, that trigger position is crucial, and, we, and every day we start practice with, we're warming up. We're always from the trigger position. Okay, my trigger position may be a little bit different from the guy I'm throwing to, but ultimately it's the position that I am comfortable in before I go into my throwing routine. And I took that from a guy out of Miami, Ohio, probably about 15 years ago, and I liked it, and I've just kind of stuck with me over the years. Um, if you are not in a good trigger position to transfer that back weight, or the, uh, to transfer the weight from your back leg to your front leg, okay, now you're looking at inaccuracy issues, you're looking at um, inefficiency issues, um, going back to that two and a half seconds, and it's like I told my quarterbacks earlier there, earlier in the, in the season, it's like when I first got here, I put a stopwatch on them every day in practice, and very few drop back passes were under two and a half seconds. And this is going back to summer seven on seven. So we put a stopwatch on them. Even during the season, I recommend you all do it. Put a stopwatch on your quarterback, whether you're doing it in film or you're doing it out there on the practice field. Um, it's important for him to not only know, but also to see that he's not getting the ball out on time. Um, my opinion is 
you know, especially at the high school level, if you can't if you can't get the ball out in two and a half seconds in a drop back pass, you need to be picking another play. Okay, draw up something else. Um, and, and a lot of the issues with kids getting the ball out in two and a half seconds is they've not studied film. Okay, I'm gonna go into that a little bit more. I show some video. When we sit down with my quarterbacks, I challenge him to be in our film room. I challenge him to be. Uh, the guys on the team who watch more film than anybody else, okay? So if you're the least prepared guy on the field, we don't have a chance anyway. So you always got to be the most prepared guy on film. And I watch a lot of these clinics where they talk about, um, you know, your progression one, progression two, progression three, progression four. I'm going to be honest with you. In two and a half seconds, you're not going to get to your fourth progression. You're not going to get to your third progression. But watching film during the week and knowing your opponent, you can eliminate one or two progressions pre-snap. If you're under, you know, if you're if you're locked if you're locked up and you're ready to go, and you know this side of the field is your progression one, and, and it's not there, okay. Now my mind pre-snap is, alright, I'm looking progression two to three, and so that's what I try to teach my quarterbacks is how can we be more efficient in the in the pocket in a good trigger position with our footwork and get the ball out on time, but also know pre-snap what I don't have versus what I do have, and that ball's coming out two and a half seconds, okay. Um, so that's just my big philosophy on, on quarterback timing and, and, and rhythm. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's all about how efficient can we be with our receivers, which is I put at the bottom here. You have to put that timing with your receivers. And that's all off-season work, okay? Part of that is them taking it upon themselves. Another part is you, you have to stay on your quarterbacks to get, to get with your receivers. I mean, they're kids. you got to stay on your quarterbacks to be that leader, to, to organize the drills after school, to go out and throw with your receivers. Uh, in the offseason, okay? Let the quarterbacks run the drills, but you have to encourage them constantly to do so, okay? If you, if you get away from it, if you, if you get off of them for a while, you look up and they've not thrown in two weeks, it gets frustrating. So you gotta constantly be on your quarterbacks to organize the drills with their receivers because you have to put the time in. If you don't put the time in, you'll notice, uh, you'll notice inefficiency come season. All right, so everyone's got a various belief on a three-step drop. You know, I'm more of, uh, making sure my three-step drop is always behind the center uh, to create that just natural pocket. Some people like the three-step drop a little bit to one A-gap or the other. That's just, you know, ultimately, like, one, one theory is not necessarily better than the other. Mine may not be just as good as anyone else's, but for the most part, three-step drops, as long as you are getting to that trigger position, okay? If you get back to that trigger position, then your three-step drop has been done right, whether you're in A-gap or right behind center. Um, my belief is your first step needs to be long, and this, this could apply to under center as well, whether you're in a gun or under center. Your first step needs to be long. We got, we've got to gain depth away from that center, okay? We've got to get away from center. We've got to create that, help create that pocket so that we can hitch back up inside to help our tackles out. Now, um, the thing about that is your first step is always going to be off balance, and that's okay because your next two steps is what's going to get you back on balance to where you can go into your throwing rhythm. So your first step is always long, and your, your second and third step gets you back to that trigger position. So when we, we practice our drops in practice, we always work on first step first. First step, and we'll, we'll do it to their groin sore, okay? Reach, reach, and then we'll incorporate the second and third step. So we wanna be off balance and then get back on balance so we can now transfer our weight from our back leg and, and be, able to, be able to flip our hips into our throw and everything else to go with our fall through. Okay, most three-step drops do require a hitch, and that's fine, okay? And, and I'm going to show you plenty of examples of that today. 
But ultimately, when you're ready to throw, whether you're hitching or you're hitting your third step and the ball's coming out, you have got to be in a good trigger position to where you're on balance and we have an opportunity to, to uh, complete that pass. Um, and it's kind of like when I do it all the time in practice, I just clap with it. One, two, three, hitch throw. One, two, three, hitch throw. So your first step is a little bit slower and your two and three is a little bit quicker. Okay, so it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a dance. It's kind of like a, um, just, just common footwork that we use every day in practice. And whether you're not, I mean, whether you're doing, um, whether you're just warming up for practice, warming up for a game, I'm constantly in your ear about that one, two, three, hitch throw. Um, I'm all over them about it in seven on seven. Probably a lot of guys I coach with have probably heard me say it multiple times, my quarterbacks. That's what I'm telling them. I'm just constantly reminding them that's the rhythm. One, two, three, hitch throw. Always trying to get that rhythm in their head. Okay. All right. So I got got a couple clips here um, where this is from this past season, and I, a couple things that you know as you're watching this film. What, a couple things I want you to notice is notice the rhythm of the drop and how the quarterback gains balance back to that trigger position before the ball is released. Okay. Notice the time of the snap from, from snap to throw. Again, the goal is two and a half seconds. And every one of these clips, I've, I've, I've recorded it, I've timed it, put it in there for you to see. Uh, and then ultimately, notice the correlation of proper drop timing and balance to the accuracy of the throw. And I'll give some statistics at the end of percentages of completions that we've made this year when the quarterback was on time, when he was on rhythm, and, um, and we'll go from there. Okay, so again, we're a shotgun team. Um, fortunate enough with a very talented quarterback this past year, but this timing and rhythm that I've used with him, I've done it with all my quarterbacks, regardless of what level they've gone to play college football. I, I believe it works. And I believe that uh, it's something that you need, or something that no matter where I'm at, or whether the middle school, high school, college level, it's, I would teach it the same regardless of what level I'm at. Um, okay, so the first route is just a simple, it's just a, um, a curl flat concept, okay? And again, we watched a lot of film uh, with the quarterbacks during the week, so he knew in this situation, we're just gonna simply, I'm not gonna go into a lot of reasons, but we're gonna read the flat player here the flat player is going to jump the flat, so we know we're going to throw this curl behind it. But watch the rhythm of the, pl of the, of the play. I'll play it one time, and I'll slow it down. Okay, so let's break it down a little bit. So, again, we talked about a big first step. We've got to get away from center, which makes you off balance. He's six foot seven, so he has, a, he has an opportunity to really get away from center. Okay, and I encourage him to really use his length. So we want to reach that first step. Okay, get away from center. Your second and third step needs to be where you're getting back on balance, okay? Now, he's long, so his third step, and it's something that I didn't really want to mess with him a whole lot on, but his third step is just naturally going to be long where he's so tall, so you'll see his third step is probably a little bit longer than what I would like it to be. But we use the hitch, okay? Now, when we're hitching back up in that pocket, now we've got to hitch back the trigger, okay? And you're going to notice something. His eyes, his shoulder, his hip, and his feet are all at his target. And we talk about this all the time. He's reading a flat player. He knows he's going to get the curl behind it. But everything is in line to make a good throw. Okay? So the rhythm of the drop, he knows he's working this side. He knows he's reading that flat defender. And by the time he hits a third step, he knows where he's going with the football. That's all part of the process of getting it out in two and a half seconds. His quarterback drops. He's going to hitch. Ball's out. Okay, 
I'm not getting my times here. Let me turn this on. Okay. So I had the times on here. For some reason, they're not showing up. We'll come back. But I do know this was under, under two and a half seconds. Uh, I think it was around 2.42, something like that. Uh, but the good thing about it, though, is um, quarterback knew where to go with the ball. He demonstrated good footwork. He found the rhythm of the drop, and the ball came out in under two and a half seconds. And the thing I want to show you all about all this is, that's a good angle here from the end zone. Um, you can use this same drop whether you're throwing intermediate, short, or even deep. Okay, the rhythm of the drop doesn't have to change. You can still get the ball on time and be just as accurate whether you're throwing a deep post, you're throwing a curl, or throwing some type of a quick out. Okay, and you'll see his drop here. He stays under, or excuse me, stays uh, behind the center and creates that good pocket for the line. Okay, now I put this one in. Um, this is kind of a smash concept that we use. Um, we're reading the corner, we're working one of a, either a deep, a deep corner route to an intermediate, intermediate corner route. Um, again, I put it in because it's, it's a deeper route, but you'll notice his footwork doesn't change. Just because it's a deeper route doesn't mean his footwork and timing has to change. The ball can still come out two and a half seconds. Okay, so I'll play it one time here. You'll notice the rhythm is really good. There's a dart for a touchdown. Okay, but his footwork is good. Long first step. Gets back on balance, he's in trigger position to make a good throw. Eyes and shoulders and hips and feet are all at his target. And now all he has to do at that point is deliver. And we knew all week long this team, uh, very good team, very talented team in the secondary, but we knew we were going to get man, especially down here. So he knew pre-snap it was going to be one of these two cats right here. And he did a good job of picking the correct guy. But ultimately, him watching enough film that week, he knew that he could get this ball out in our two and a half seconds. I do remember this one, this was 2.48 seconds as I wrote it down yesterday, but this ball came out as needed. But ultimately, yes, this is a deeper throw, but you can still get this ball out in under two and a half seconds regardless of how deep the ball needs, regardless of how deep the, the route is. It's throw, ball's out, throw a dart, go score. Okay, this one here, uh, we run a little wheel route out of the back, a little, a little curl wheel type concept that we use. Um, what I really want you to see in this case here, if this quarterback doesn't get the ball out on one hitch, okay, one of two things is probably going to happen. One of my tight ends probably going to get blown up in completion, or his ball could be picked, okay? And, and you'll see it here. The tight, it's a tight window, but his timing never changes. Kind of gets cut out there at the end. One, two, three, hitch throw. One, two, three, hitch throw, ball's out. And it's such a tight window. If he hitches twice, this ball's not completed. I really believe that. It's probably picked off of anything else. Okay. So quarterback knew he had a tight window, but he also knew he needed to get this ball out on time. He did a really good job with his footwork. Does a really good job with the shoulders. And the timing was under two and a half seconds. Okay. So that, you know, the windows get tighter at the high school level as opposed to like the middle school level, but the timing of the drop can help you get that ball into those tight windows. Again, one more hitch, that ball's not completed. Okay, this is a double post concept um, that we like to use. Um, the quarterback did a really good job this week in studying our opponent. He knew 
that if safety was eyeball number two, we knew we were getting man coverage. So again, we're talking about pre-snap, knowing what the defense is going to give you. It's a double post concept. Typically, we would read him for the inside post, the outside post, but he knew all week long in practice, you're watching three to five hours of film on his own outside of what we do in the mornings and afternoons. Um, he's eyeballing number two. So Samuel knows right away, I'm going to him 100% outside receiver. I'm working the outside receiver 100% based on what he's doing with his eyes, knowing I'm getting man coverage inside so that I can work the easier throw outside. You'll notice that this ball is inside, you know, the 25-yard line. Not a lot of teams will run a double post concept within, you know, this close to the end zone. But for us, we can do it because the timing of our footwork and the ball getting out on time. This ball would not be complete if Samuel took two hitches in the pocket. Okay, you'll see it. One, two, three, hitch, throw the balls out. Okay, I like to see him put a little bit of a better ball. Receiver makes an amazing, probably ESPN top 10 catch. But... The rhythm of the, the timing and the rhythm of the throw is why this ball was completed. Okay, if he takes one more hitch, the receiver runs out of the back of the end zone. So that's why it's so important that this ball comes out in time, especially down here. Okay, but again, it came back to his preparation. All week long, he prepared knowing that down here, this, this, this safety is going to read number two. His eyes are on number two. We're getting locked in on man. And Samuel knew, I, I can forget about progression one, two, and three. I can forget about it. I already know right now, 100%, I'm throwing the outside post. And so now his job's easy. Just take a nice drop and get the ball out on time. Don't stand back here holding the ball, trying to get the ball out too late. You don't have time. You don't have room down here in the, inside the red zone. Really good play for us this year. Okay, going back to another, um, just, just another example of, of a little wheel route we have coming from the tight end of the boundary. Really good footwork, okay? And we knew this, and, and all week long in practice, we talked about this, okay? We gotta let this develop a little bit, but watch Samuel's eyes in the drop. He does a really good job with his eyes and not staring at the wheel route, letting that wheel route develop while doing good footwork in the pocket, okay? He's hitting that third step, ball's coming out. Hitch, ball's out. One, two, three, hitch throw. Again, this was, and this is probably the, the quickest. This was um, a slower developing route than what our, our typical curl flat concept is. But of all the clips I have on this film, this one was out in 2.31 seconds. I remember that because of all the clips I, I put up here, this one came out faster than all of them. So this was really great timing. One, two, three, hitch throw, ball's out. Okay, we converted uh, down there and keep the chains moving. But the rhythm is good. And one thing you're noticing about all these routes and all these, uh, all these plays is he's not getting hit. They're not getting close to him in the pocket. Okay, here in a few moments, I'm gonna show you some examples where it's not so much the O-line's fault, it's just him holding the ball too long. Okay, and he learned from it. He learned, one of the biggest things that he did this year was learning how to take what he sees on film and applying it to the field. He learned to speed his play up because of watching film. I can't emphasize that enough, okay? Just one more quick little curl flat concept. Again, one, two, three, hitch throw. Does a great job. Had to put the ball outside, but I really like the timing. You'll notice no one's near him. O-line does a good job running back, helps chip, but still he has a good pocket because the ball is out in under two and a half seconds. Now let's transition to a couple things here where his timing in the, in the pocket was just for whatever reason, not very good. 
Okay. Notice how bad, um, notice how the rhythm in the quarterback's footwork and how it correlates to inefficient outcomes. Notice how bad rhythm and timing correlates to slow release time. Snap to throw is, is slower than two and a half seconds. And then again, always use film to show your quarterback. Show your quarterbacks in, in the film room. Show them a stopwatch. Show them how long it's taken them to get the ball out. Okay. They won't, they don't know until they see it. All right. Now, this, and I'm not picking on him, but for whatever reason on this play, he decided he's going to do a drop that we've never used in practice, okay? And you're going to see a lot of inefficiency in these drops. He decided he's just going to backpedal out of there, which we've never done, okay? And any drill we've ever done in practice, we've never, never coached that, never done that in practice. But something happened in the game, he decided he's going to backpedal out of there, all right? I do remember the timing on this. This is 3.7, I'm sorry, 2.75 to get the ball out. And what ended up happening was, one, He's not on balance. He's not in a trigger position. He's thrown off his back foot. He's not on balance. And he's getting hit because he's holding the ball too long. End result, ball's in the dirt. Okay? And once he saw this and started seeing more examples of this, you'll notice um, as the season went on, his efficiency started going way up. Again, he was learning from what he saw in film. But for whatever reason on this play, he decided he's going to backpedal. He's off balance. He's thrown off his back foot. And he's getting hit. More so the offensive, not the offensive line's fault. That ball is out in two and a half seconds with a good footwork. He's not getting touched. Okay? On this play, the reason I got this in here for one reason, this was actually a really good play for us. We converted it. Big play, explosive play. We convert the play. Okay, big play for our tight end to get a good catch here in, in the boundary. But what I, what I want you to see is this. He should not have got touched here. Okay? This ball came out well over two and a half seconds, around 2.8 if I remember right. Okay, he takes two hitches here, and there's no need for it. If he hitches and throws on one hitch, one hitch throw, he's open. Put the ball on him right now. Okay, so when I showed Samuel this, I said, you got hit, not because anything with the O-line was doing. You got hit because you took two hitches. Yes, you completed the ball, but I'm trying to take a hit off of you. I'm trying to keep you from getting hit. And he took a hit there, and it wasn't needed. Okay, simply because he took two hitches instead of one. Okay, this is another one here. He's back here holding it too long. This one was right under three seconds. It took a while for him to get the ball out. This ball is easy. It's an easy read. All you got to do is just put it in this window right here, but he's back here holding the ball. He's not in rhythm. He's off rhythm and just throws the ball in the dirt. We don't have a chance. Okay, again, once he saw it, it helped him in the future. This was his slowest. I know this is kind of a little bit right, right before half, but we talk about decision-making with my quarterbacks all the time. Okay, you're going to see he throws this ball into four different guys, and he's holding the ball for more than three seconds. This is like, this is the slowest of the clips I have. Okay, and he's getting people in his face. At this, at this point, I like to see him make a better decision, not throw this thing into coverage. Okay, this is the first game of the year, but he learned from this because he knew his timing was off. He knew his timing was slow, and the longer you're holding the ball, the more likely our defense can defend against us. But again, this is probably the slowest he held the ball all year long in a drop back pass situation. Okay. Okay, just a couple of things here to wrap this up. Production points. Uh, in 2021, I took all of our drop back passes and I broke them down into when he was on rhythm, good footwork, good timing, versus when he was not using good rhythm, good timing. So, 
Um, when the quarterback demonstrated proper footwork, timing, and rhythm, he completed 87% of his passes. That's that one, two, three hit stroke. When the quarterback did not demonstrate good footwork, timing, and rhythm, his production went way down. He only completed about 37% of his passes. And a lot of that is he's off balance. He's thrown off his back foot using multiple hitches uh, or just simply not knowing where to go with the football. Moral of the story is simple. You have to take the time to teach your quarterbacks the importance of getting the ball out on time and in rhythm. You like, it takes patience. It takes 10,000 kicks, whatever it takes, but you've got to put that time in. Because once they get that timing and rhythm, okay, it's tough to defend from the defensive side of the ball. Again, there's my contact information. Uh, email is really good to get with me uh, or, or find me on Twitter as well. And I appreciate you guys taking the time to, to watch today. Thank you all. Thank you.